Well, good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you today. Thank you for the invitation to come. A privilege to come and share God's word with you. And I come with no sound effects, I'm afraid, or uh, special images. Uh, I just come by myself, but I do bring the greetings of your brothers and sisters in Castle Hill Baptist Church uh, in Bearsden in Glasgow, where I'm serving as the pastor at the moment. And so they are praying for you as we worship here this morning. Now, I know you're working your way through John's Gospel, and this morning we've come to chapter 6, and we're going to read that portion just now, verses 1 to 15. If you have a Bible, you want to open it up there and follow along, or simply uh, listen. Uh, But let's read God's Word together and hear it read in public and allow it to speak to us, and then we think about the words and the implications of them for ourselves today. So John chapter 6, reading verses 1 to 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing those who were ill. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Amen. This is the living word of God. Now cast your mind back to the deepest, darkest times of the first lockdown. Uh, Not a pleasant memory for many of us, I'm sure. But do you remember the way we suddenly became aware in those days of all the people that would have previously been in the background of our lives who suddenly came to prominence? The people we never thought of and the jobs that they were doing suddenly became really really important in those days. The NHS workers, the carers, the lorry drivers, the cleaners, suddenly what they were doing became heroic, became very important to all of us. And you maybe remember we stood on our doorsteps and applauded for them on a Thursday evening for a time. A whole army of nameless heroes who suddenly came into the foreground and were suddenly very important. 
It's often the same in the kingdom of God. When we read our Bibles, we find quite a number of people who played a crucial part in God's plans and purposes as they unfolded, yet we never know their names. We read about them and what they did, but we don't find out who they were. And very often they were unexpected or unlikely heroes. They, they came sometimes even outside the community of God's people. They were foreigners. They were strangers. They were unknown people. Think right back to the beginning of the Bible and Pharaoh's daughter and the way that she rescued Moses. We never found out her name. The widow of Zarephath, never found her name. Philippine jailer, didn't know him either. And these nameless heroes suddenly become important even though they may have began as powerless or of little status or influence, like Paul's nephew who spoke up for him and rescued him from an attack that was planned on his life in the book of Acts. In the normal course of writing history, their names wouldn't have been recorded because they weren't deemed to be important enough. Yet God used them and God blessed them and God knew their names And God knew their stories, and they all played a crucial role in God's story. By simple deeds, showing compassion, telling the truth, showing hospitality, offering service and care. So that should encourage us to be heroes as well, whether people know our name or not. Because we can do all those sorts of things. We don't need superpowers. We don't need loads of money or special training. We can all show compassion, tell the truth, show hospitality, and serve others. And then we come to our passage this morning. We have another nameless hero. A young lad who was a hero in the miracle when Jesus fed 5,000 and more people. And as is often the case, we don't find out his name, and he came to the fore in the midst of a crisis. But it was a crisis, actually, that Jesus had created. The disciples were facing a huge problem. A crowd of people had gathered to come and see Jesus and hear what he was saying. And then Jesus turns to Philip, who was one of his disciples, and came from that locality and says, where shall we buy bread for all these people to eat, Philip? Philip, you're local to here. Where's the shopping center? Where's the bakery that we can go and and buy food for these people? In the other gospels, it's recorded that Jesus actually says to the disciples as a group, you give them something to eat. Now imagine the scale of this problem. There's enough people to fill a sports stadium and they all need fed. But there's no facilities. They're in the middle of nowhere in the countryside. And to make things even more serious, even if the shops were nearby and were open, they had extremely limited resources. The disciples make a quick inventory, which takes no time at all because they have so little to face this crisis with. And it comes to this, their inventory. We don't have the numbers we need. We don't have the money we need. And what we do have is very small. And John seems to emphasize that in verses 8 and 9 when he records what happened. 
Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Did you see the emphasis on the smallness there? A boy, a small person, five small loaves and two small fish. And even the bread is barley. The food of the poor, not great quality at all. And so as this crisis develops, we meet our hero. A small boy with a small lunch, which is something like the equivalent of five digestive biscuits and two sardines to feed 5,000 and more people. And we can understand Andrew's question, how far will our scant resources go among so many? How can we ever hope to solve this problem with our limited means? And he had perhaps mentioned this young lad merely as an illustration to show Jesus, look at what we're up against and look at all we have. This is going to be really challenging. And those are the sorts of questions people have been asking again and again when they come up against huge problems or in the midst of a crisis. The problem is so big and our resources seem so small. Yet if we would follow the Lord Jesus, he will sometimes put us into a crisis so that we might learn something and see him work in a new and wonderful way. So in times of crisis, when we are faced with huge problems, it's wise not to panic because even though we may not know it or appreciate it, there is a plan. Jesus had a plan. Even before the problem was fully realized, he had a plan. John tells us in verse 6, he asked this only to test him for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Jesus had a plan. And this was a test for the disciples because Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Problems, when they come, are frequently tests or opportunities to see God at work. There's always a plan. The challenge for us is that we don't always know what the plan is. But then, if we always knew the plan, we wouldn't need to trust Jesus as much, would we? Jesus has a plan for your life, for my life. The problems we face, though they seem insurmountable, are testing grounds for our faith and our trust in him. So what was the plan here? The Lord's plan was to use the smallest and the least for the greatest good so that God's power could be seen by all. The Lord's plan was to use the smallest and the least for the greatest good so that God's power could be seen by all. That was the plan. But for that to happen... A hero was required. Someone needed to step up and give what they had. 
So not only was there a problem, but there was a plan and there was also a person. And typical of many things in the life of faith, the person is again unexpected and someone of little influence or little power. I think only a child would even begin to think in such simple terms as to offer his lunch to Jesus like this. It's such a childlike thing to do. I can help here, have what I have. He's perhaps unaware of the full scale of the problem. He is oblivious to how ridiculous his offer looks to the adults around. But this young lad was willing simply to give what he had. He showed generosity, a willingness to give. What a hero. I don't have much, but I'll give it to you so that you can bless others with it. Isn't that childlike faith in action? Note childlike, not childish. This is the stuff of the kingdom. Becoming like a little child is what the kingdom is built upon. Total trust. Total abandonment. Total sacrifice. Total commitment. That's what it means to be part of God's kingdom, to follow Jesus. And here we see it in this little lad offering his lunch. And nobody from nowhere with a grainy little lunch, and yet he was the conduit for one of the greatest and most famous public displays of God's power ever seen. And it all began by him being generous enough to give what he had to Jesus. There's a lesson here for us to learn and maybe relearn and relearn again. We need to trust Jesus to take what we have and bless it and make it something greater for the glory of God and the blessing of others. We need to be prepared to give. We need to be the person in the plan. Now, please note that this isn't a gift of money, although there may be times when that's appropriate to give. But this was a gift of a little bit of food. It was the right gift at the right time. It was appropriate for the need. The pressing need was for food. The crisis was of the catering variety. Giving money was of no help to anyone here. But this was the most appropriate offering for the occasion. In the hands of this boy, it was ridiculously small. But in the hands of Jesus, it was enough to meet the need. The Lord's hands are open to receive whatever we give. Open and ready to bless. But our hands need to be open to give before that blessing comes. We need to be ready to give what we have freely and gladly to God. We need to have that simple childlike attitude of trust and generosity so that blessing can flow to others. Five pounds can go a long way in feeding a family in crisis when we give it to God 
and his work. Five seconds to smile at someone can change the course of a day for that person on the bus or in the shop. And even if we have a mask on, a wave will suffice to do the same. Five seconds to ask how someone is doing. Five seconds to ask, what can I do to help? Can ease a burden. Five minutes can change a life if we give it in service to God in listening or speaking or encouraging. Five people can accomplish astounding things when they work and serve in Jesus' name. Five years in the light of eternity is nothing. But if those years are spent in the work of the kingdom, who can tell what lives can be impacted and changed forever? What five are you willing to give this week to the Lord Jesus? Five pounds, five seconds, five minutes, five years. There were 5,000 people and more present on this occasion, but only one had any food. Of all the people in your life right now, you could be the one person holding what is required to unleash a blessing. Are you willing to give it? You could be the person, the hero, willing to give what you have. Just open your hands and let it go. Now, I guess this wee boy might have thought he might grow hungry by giving his lunch away. He would probably expect to see it disappear rapidly into other people's mouths. But that wouldn't be the case. He would be fed too. He would get to enjoy the blessing with everyone else. His little tummy would be filled. And sometimes we think by giving something away that we're going to lose out. But that isn't the way of the kingdom. There is a blessing in giving and there is a joy in generosity. In the times that we are living in, we will be required to give. We already see the cost of living rise rapidly. There will be people around us this week in need of the basics. Look on any mission agency website and you will find a need for personnel to go and serve. Budgets from nations to local churches have holes in them. People are grieving and struggling as never before and so it goes on. The need is great in many ways beyond calculation. But if we give what we can, God can bless it and increase it. That was the plan. It's always been the plan. God often chooses to solve problems by using a person or by using people like us to do it. The problem was big, but there was a plan. There was a person, a little lad with a little lunch, willing to give what little he had so that the power of God could be seen 
on display. But there was also something else happening here. After this miracle, the only one recorded in all four Gospels, Jesus goes on to expand on what the people had seen and experienced. He goes into the synagogue in Capernaum and delivers his famous I am the bread of life sermon to the congregation there. And as a result of that sermon, there is another crisis. There is a reaction to what Jesus claims. Not everyone likes the implications of this miracle, especially as it relates to the person of Jesus. Calling himself the bread of life and the bread that came down from heaven causes concern and controversy. And the crisis point comes for many of his followers. It was all too much for some of them. They were happy to eat the miraculous bread that Jesus provided, but they were unhappy to believe in the one who gave it to them. And so John tells us that from this point, many stopped believing and following Jesus. These folks were happy to take but not give unwilling to sacrifice and do what was necessary to follow the Lord Jesus. Their hearts became hard and their trust withered away. And watching them go, Jesus turns to the 12 disciples and asks them, you do not want to leave too, do you? And from that we get the wonderful and moving confession of Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And that is progression in the lives of the disciples. That is growth in their faith and a widening and deepening of their understanding about who Jesus is. The miracle of feeding the 5,000, this great crowd, was something so impressive and amazing that the 12 disciples were utterly convinced of Jesus because of it. And all of that growth came from this one little boy and his act of generous and sacrificial giving. When we give, we know a blessing ourselves. That's certainly true. And those to whom we give know a blessing. But our giving can also create an opportunity for others to understand a little bit more of who Jesus is. Who he is and what he's done. And none of us can ever fully imagine the reach of our giving, even though we think it's small and insignificant in God's hands It can do astounding things. We will never fully know the good that can come, either materially or spiritually, when we step up and open our hands to Jesus. But ultimately, that isn't the most important thing. The key to it all is people like us giving our seemingly small gifts And trusting God to bring the increase and the blessing for his praise and for his glory. This week, each of us will encounter a crisis of one sort or another, a problem, big or small. It will be an opportunity to recognize and remember there is a plan 
and that we might be the person required to step up. Let's not let the thought of sacrifice or loss stop us doing that. Your giving, my giving, will mean we know a blessing. Let's all be heroes of generosity this week, known by those around us with those who, as those who are people with open hands because our hearts are open to the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, in the days of this week, we pray you would open our eyes to see you in the time of crisis. Lord Jesus, open our minds to know your plan. And Lord Jesus, open our hands that we may give what little we have for your praise and your glory. And in your name we ask it. Amen.